Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode of Physique Science Radio. I know it's been a few weeks, but we're back and we're here today to talk to you about the winner's mindset. Lane actually just got back from competing at Raw Nationals and placed second in his weight class. Lane, how do you feel? Uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, you know, I, I won that class last year, but um, uh, one thing that people should realize is that uh, there was about three times as many people uh, this time, or twice as many people this time. So there was, I think total, there was like 170 people in my weight class. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I hit, I hit, a, a all time PR total for me. So I squatted 661, which is not a PR, but it still ties the second most weight I've ever squatted at a meet. And then, uh, I tied my best bench press with 391 and tied my best deadlift with a uh, 711. Wow. And then that ended up being a PR total of uh, 1763 and, um, also a PR Wilkes of 506. So overall it was, um, Really good meet. I went nine for nine, which is only the second my second time ever going nine for nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, people don't realize there there is a and you can ask people who have never done USAP or who who did their first USAPL nationals. There's a big difference between doing a local meet and executing and executing on that kind of stage with. 1100 something lifters four platforms going at the same time the strictest judges in the world um you know there were there were a lot of people who were not well prepared who bombed out of the meet or who did not do nearly as well as they should have done and so you know um not only do you have to be strong but you have to be able to execute at an extremely high level Uh and uh basically not have any hiccups otherwise you're going to get red lighted so um, I was really very happy with my performance and, um, you know, I knew going in that, uh, the guy who won my class, Jesse Norris, um, uh, that if he came in and hit his lifts, there would be no way to beat him. The, the only, if he came in and hit his openers, he was going to win the class. The only way for anybody to beat him would be if he bombed out and, uh, that didn't happen. Right. So, um, it was interesting though. I did have some people say, Oh, why? Why are you even bothering to go? You can't beat Jesse, and I'm like, <laughs> so this kind of touches on what we're. Gonna talk I was about. just gonna say, which actually, yeah. <laughs> great topic. Yeah. So, I, I said, um, well, first off, if you only compete in competitions that you know you can win, you're a coward, um, and that says something about your your level of integrity. And secondly. Um, you know, it may very well be possible. It may be very well be that it was impossible for me to beat him, that it just couldn't happen. Uh-huh. But I had, but that was going to be decided on the platform, not because I didn't show up because I couldn't bear to get second place. Like that is disrespectful to him, to the other lifters who were in the class. And most importantly, disrespectful to me. So, uh, yeah, I just, that kind of mindset, uh, completely blows me away. So yeah, I mean, I was happy. I always want to win, but um, you know that uh, I'm not going to pull 200 pounds on my total out of nowhere. So uh, I was very, I was overall very pleased. Right, and I, you know, I know that a lot of people were probably blown away with, especially with their deadlift, considering that not long ago you were sidelined a little bit. Do you want to talk about that? 
and how that happened? Uh, yeah, so I a lot of people knew I've struggled with a back issue heading into Worlds, and um, uh, of you know the the problem. I don't want to say the problem, but I've kind of come to the understanding that I need to get it out of my head. The idea that I'm ever going to like be a hundred percent going into a meet because to train the way I have to train in order for me to progress, uh, I'm going to get dinged up at times, and that's just going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, the timing of this was was unfortunate. It was here scary. Before national. Yeah, yeah. So uh, two weeks out from national, so actually. Uh, I dealt with a back issue before the Arnold and before Worlds. Now, before Worlds, I felt pretty good. With the Arnold, uh, I pulled my, I strained my lower back uh, a week out and was able to rehab and really rest a lot and was able to go on meet day and, and won. Um, and then at Worlds, uh, four weeks out, I was still really struggling with it. But by the time the meet came around, um, I was feeling pretty good. And then. I was doing really, really well with my training heading into nationals, uh, and to, I was crushing uh, deadlift PRs. I had pulled uh, six thirty for nine reps. Um, wow! Yeah. Uh, like three weeks out from from nationals, and then two weeks out, I was going to do uh, two six fifty five, and uh, I, on my last set, on the last rep, I was going for my PR uh, for six reps. And I let myself get a little bit loose. I locked my knees too early, and then I had to kind of round my lower back to get my hips back under me. And I felt a pop in my lower back. And, uh, yeah, I, I immediately knew that I had I had strained it again. And so at the Arnold, it was bad timing, you know, being a week out. But in a way, two weeks out is worse timing because before the Arnold, I had already done all the overreaching, all the training, all that kind of stuff. You know, and I just kind of used the downtime as a taper. Whereas here, I this was like in the middle of mm. where I'm supposed to be overreaching. Right. And now it's like, okay, how do you overreach with a strained lower back? So, um, you know, I I I said, well, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, you know, but but I when I say I don't know if I'm going to make it, I was never okay. Well, I'm just quitting. It was all right. Well, let's let's see. Where we can do, where we can get to a point where we can uh, actually, if I can do, if I can make it, I'm going to make it. And so uh, I just focused on one day at a time. So I said, okay, well, I can still bench press, so I'm going to bench press. And then um, about, I think three days after it happened, I I felt okay, and I said, well, I'm just going to go in and just work up and see what I can do. You know, whether it be 225, 315, 405. Just see what I can do and just, you know, just try and basically work on the movement, you know, practice. And uh, I actually was able to work up to 500 pounds for six reps. And, Pain I mean, free? I felt my lower back. Okay. But it, the weight was moving well and I actually felt better the next day. So I was like, okay. Uh, but I didn't really pull uh, heavy. On Monday before the meet, I actually came down with a pretty bad cold. And usually like... If I get a cold, I'll, I'll still go train through it. Um, and obviously, in this case, I'm so close, I have to get my training sessions in. Yeah, right. But, man, I w- I've never really had like just a basic cold wipe me out so much. Uh, probably because I've been dealing with some sleep issues, as I was telling you about before we started recording. So just kind of... You sound sleep- a little congested still, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm still... I got the sniffles, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, so I... Uh, I was dealing with sleep issues and then 
back issues and then got sick. And so it was just like the perfect storm of everything kind of coming together. So I went in to pull 585 for, for triples. I did one set and I was like, I'm going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. So I backed it off to 495 and just got the volume in and just said, okay, you know, we'll just see what I feel like on meat day. And, um, uh, you know, the squatting was feeling eh. And fortunately I had, uh, you know, two days off for the meet. I, I trained the morning, um, we left Wednesday for Scranton. I trained Wednesday morning and then had, you know, all Wednesday, all the rest of Wednesday, Thursday and Friday off, which I never get that much time off. And, uh, on, you know, I didn't, everybody said, how you feel? How you feel? I said, well, I'll tell you once I grab the bar <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, I started warming up and worked up to, you know, four, uh, you know, four fifty five, and then five thirty for my last single. And, I looked at Ben. I said, "Well, I think we're, I think we're okay." And he looked at me. He's like, "Yep, we are." But um, I thought I might have been able to break my previous squat PR just based on how I was feeling warming up. But uh, my second squat attempt, I got out of position a little bit, and it took uh, a lot more out of me to finish it. Mm. And so we we went a little bit conservative with the last one. So we went six sixty one instead of uh, six sixty six or or six seventy two. So uh, that squat PR will be there, and, and we'll go for it. But overall, I'm very pleased and uh you know i think the the mindset i always have with that stuff is all right maybe i can't make it maybe i can't do it but i don't have to decide that now like i'll just take it one day at a time and you know what happens happens and if i get there and i can't get under the bar then such is life yeah and you know i love that we're talking about this today i think the timing is uh great you just had your powerlifting meet you're you're still feeling fresh from out of it and um um, especially with with the setback that you had, you still move forward, and I, I'm 100% convinced that if you had had a different attitude about your injury and everything going into it, because obviously circumstances were not ideal, then I don't I don't think you would have done as well. And I think that this is something that happens a lot with competitors or anyone who competes in any kind of sport or activity that requires you know placings and trophies, and people get so hung up with with wanting to win that they 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 will do you know seemingly they'll try to do whatever it takes to get there and if their chances of winning are shot then they'll just throw in the towel completely yeah i think a lot of people give up on themselves easily you know and um the i I program my mind is the way i look at it so i I think that i I believe i've read something about this but when i wake up in the morning and I'm, i'm getting i always get a shower to start the day i put on a motivational speech um because i feel like you know, I've actually, I, I remember several times where I've been on Facebook or Instagram or something, and I've seen something that kind of annoyed me in the morning, and it put me in a crappy mood for the rest of the day in the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I'll put on some Les Brown or some Eric Thomas or some Zig Ziglar or something uh, in the morning while I'm in the shower, and I'm just, you know, programming my mind, and I'm getting myself in the right mindset, and I'm going to have that mindset all day. And that, I, I really believe that helped me quite a bit. Um you know, Les, Les Brown says, no matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. And I, you know, I just kept telling myself over that, over and over and over and over. And, uh, you know, obviously it's not like I, you know, I didn't overcome cancer or anything like that, you know, but, um, everybody deals with setbacks and, and that sort of thing. But I, I think that, and this is what I tell people, I, part of the reason I, I think some people get the wrong, uh, opinion of why I talk about these sort of things they think I'm I'm whining or I'm 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 trying to make people feel sorry for me, and it's it's not that at all. I recognize that I have a pretty large platform of people that, that 
pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is show people like, no, my training isn't perfect. I have bad days. I have setbacks. But it's my attitude that makes the difference. And you can do it too. You know, So I think a lot of people give up on themselves easily because like you said, they, they see somebody they – well, I can't beat that person. And so it's kind of a cop-out to do it. And so I actually, as a scientist, I was very interested to see how I do this meet. Um, because kind of from a mental perspective, I had every reason to mentally check out. I knew I couldn't win. Absolutely. And I, kn- Jesse- I know a lot of eyeballs were watching you to see how you would handle everything. Yeah, so my wife was actually uh, really concerned. Um, she was like, you know, she thought I was doing the meet just because I, I thought I should. Um you know, and part of it, I will say, I did feel a certain obligation to go and defend the title. You know, like that just sure. that just handed away. And um, but I did really want to do it, but I didn't know how to respond because, like you said, you know, it's a lot of eyeballs, and it was, you know, if Jesse hit his lifts, there was nothing I could do to catch him, short of you know pulling a Tanya Harding. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was, I was, I was like, all right, well. I kind of, I actually kind of put it to myself as a challenge to mm-hmm. say, all right, well, let's see what kind of competitor you are. Can you get up? Can you get up and can you get fired up? And can you come and perform on a high level knowing that you probably can't win? And so I, I answered that. And I was very, so I was, I was actually, you know, this sounds cheesy, but I, I told myself after the meet, I said, I'm proud of you, Lane. You, you did it, you know? And um, I think a lot of people, I hear this all the time with people who are competitors. They say, well, I'm, you know, obviously I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. And that, that's – it's okay to have next goals. I've already got my next goals planned out, right? But if you don't take a minute to tell yourself, hey, you did a good job, you, you're, you're just going to grind yourself into oblivion. Like you're going to hate what yeah. you do. So That's true. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about wanting to win and wanting to do well, but – not being a sore loser at the same time if you don't get first place. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, especially with with powerlifting and, and with, with in the bodybuilding sector as well. If people don't – they think they, they'll take first or second. And if they get third, they throw a tantrum and they quit and they go home early and they're pouting and and yep. they're, you know, I, I – I, that's uh, – I think when that happens, which is often, I think – People are in the wrong mindset that um, their their eyes are on the wrong focus, um, and I don't think they're setting themselves up for long term success when they do this. So, um, you know, for you, when you were injured, you could have either, and this really uh, taps into the growth mindset. I, I believe we d- we discussed it briefly in a in a previous podcast episode as well. Growth mindset yeah. versus fixed mindset is you know, growth mindset. Um, this is research done by Dr. Carol Dweck discusses the um, belief that as an individual, you believe that you have the ability to grow and improve and change, um, despite what you may, per- may other people may perceived as um, fixed circumstances that cannot be changed. For example, if you don't, if you get a C in a test, you that would motivate you to work harder and and figure out what you can do to improve. Whereas an individual with a fixed mindset will will believe that well, I got a C because that's just the way that I am, and there's nothing I can do to change it. I'm naturally not that smart, so that's I'm not gonna make any any extra effort. But for you, obviously, with your injury, you're able to say, okay, you know, I can either say this is my fate, I'm doomed, I'm not going to do well at the meet, or 
you you can see it as a challenge to rise to the occasion, and it, it really tested your physical and, but I think more so your mental limits. And um, unsurprisingly, I think you came out on top, and you did probably as well as you could have hoped. Yeah, exactly. Um, considering and all the circumstances, and you, you know, and you, and you didn't throw a tantrum. Uh, afterward, and I, you know, you posted that photo of you shaking Jesse Norris's hand, which I think was incredibly admirable. And uh, that that can be difficult to do is to is to is to go to the person who beat you and say, "Hey, well done, uh, you did a great job." Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, you know, I always look at like what we do in powerlifting or, or bodybuilding is it's like golf, you know. So I can't. I can shoot my best round ever, but if somebody shoots a better round of me that day, there's nothing I can do about it, you know? Like, um, so I, there's no point in me, um, you know, getting upset. And I don't even have, it's, in, it's very interesting. Uh, people think that because of the way I lift, because I'm so intense and I'm so fired up, that I must be angry. And I'm, I'm like, I'm actually not angry at all. Like, I'm just, I'm fired up to, I'm just fired up, you know? Like, I'm a passionate guy. And, um, you know, I've been around people and I'm not, I'm not, I, the, I have no problem with this mindset because every athlete is different in terms of what gets them in the zone. But some athletes are, will come out and they're actually looking at their competition like, I'm going to crush this guy or I'm going to crush this person. And for me, it's never been about that. It's like, okay, I'm going to do what I do. And if I do what I do, that's going to put a lot of pressure on other people to perform. Mm-hmm. And I, because there's, a, trust me. Other than Jesse Norris, there's quite a few people in my class who have the potential to beat me, right? But I know I'm going to come out and just start stacking up lifts, stacking up lifts, stacking up lifts. And if I do that, it puts pressure on other people and they start making mistakes. And so I always just try to shoot my best round. I tell Ben, I tell ben um, don't let me look at the scoreboard until it comes to deadlifts. Just, and actually, I don't even really look at that much when it comes mm. to deadlifts. I just – I tell Ben, put the – what. If I can win, put whatever on the bar I need to win. Um, and if I can, or if, or or like at Worlds or in Nationals, second place was the best I could do. I said, okay, well, put what, put whatever on the bar I need to hit second place. Mm-hmm. And I have full confidence that if he puts on the bar, I'm going to get it. So, um, but I agree with you on the growth mindset as well. Um, I uh, when I got injured before the Arnold, I thought, okay, you know, I, obviously I was disappointed, but I also said. Man, if, if I come back from this, this will be a cool story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like kind of looked at it from that perspective. And I did the same thing before Nationals. You know, I said, well, you know, I can't beat Jesse um, if he hits his lifts. And I'm, I'm kind of dinged up, you know. So this would be a great story if I actually, you know, do really well here. <laughs> Very <laughs> so movie-esque. Gonna, gonna turn yeah, into so a movie. I kind of <laughs> put that onus on myself. I can actually remember at the Arnold in March – uh, before the last deadlift, L.S. McLean and I were tied, um, both going into our last deadlift. Wow. And I remember um, thinking to myself backstage, I said, okay, now we find out what you're really made of. When the pressure's mm-hmm. on, this is the most watched powerlifting meet in the world. Um, the pressure's on. You are either going to do it or you aren't. So we're going to find out what kind of per- what kind of, what kind of, what you're made of. And uh, so to go out and perform was, uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing I noticed when you were talking was that you were keeping a pulse on how other competitors were doing, but your your focus was not 
I'm here to beat them. It's, it was more, I'm here to do my personal best. And, you know, um, I know that there have been races before, you know, like Olympic races where world's top athletes are running against each other. And, um, I remember reading about this and I don't remember the names, but there was one athlete, he was in first place and towards like the last stretch of the race, he, he would have won, but he decided to glance back behind him to see you know where the other competitor was and when that happened he glanced back he lost speed and he got he got passed yep yep absolutely and the same thing can happen i've seen it happen in powerlifting actually from the perspective of um uh so for example let's say um actually last year at nationals um there were some people and I, I you know i'm i'm friends with a lot of these guys so i don't i don't want to speak for them i'm, I'm just I'm uh, based on my perception of what happened. Um, I saw a lot of guys come out and really put on heavy second attempt on squats and third attempt on squats that they missed um, because they were so focused on I need to squat this in order to keep up with lane. Uh, whereas they ha- they had good deadlifts and bench press if they had just focused on okay let's take what's there on squat and and hung with it. You know, they could have pushed me a lot more, and by the end, they were actually com- just completely out of it. You know, um, and so, you know, I come from the Matt Gary school of thought. Matt Gary is one of the foremost uh, powerlifting um, coaches in the world, and a master of attempt selection. And he always says, "Listen, yes, this, this, there's a certain there, there's certain people who have the potential to do really well, but one thing he says is." The powerlifting is not about finding out who's the best power. I'm sorry, powerlifting is not about finding out who's the strongest. It's about finding out who the best powerlifter is. Because hmm. there's plenty of really strong people who make really dumb attempt selection on meet day. Okay? And they either go for PRs too early or they try to force a PR when it isn't there. You know, for example, I did not PR in any one lift at USAPL Nationals, but I PR'd my total because I was consistently better Interesting. Overall. Right. So you have to. So what happens is you take what's there. If a PR is there, great, you take it. Um, And then when it comes to the last deadlifts, if you're in a position where you can move up, you can try and jump somebody, then put it, then then maybe you get aggressive, right? So like I took 7 11 because, um, you know, LS ended up missing his last deadlift. So I don't think I was in danger of, of him, of him. I think I already had beaten him with my second pull because he missed his third. Um, and so, and so we, we kind of kept it because we were going for the, for, the, for the best Wilkes. But let's say he had hit uh, either his bench press or his last deadlift. It would have put a lot more pressure on me and, uh, in order to get second. And so if we needed like a 727 or, or a 733, you know, that's the time when you put it in and you go for it. You say, okay, you know what? We're close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be tough to hit this lift, but I can jump a place by doing it, so I'm going to do it. So that's where you do it. You right. Don't, you don't come out and squat and say, I'm going to go for a, a 20-pound PR because I need it to keep up with this person. Well, for all you know, that person may bomb out on bench or they may make a technical error that gets them red lights or they may get hurt. You know, and But what happens if you start missing lifts because you're trying to keep up with them? And now you end up in third or fourth when you could have been second or first, you know. So, um, uh, like I said, Matt Gary, one of the things he said, it's very profound. It sounds simple. It sounds silly. 
but not a lot of people understand this, is the best way to get the, the, the point of powerlifting is to win. The best way to win is to get the highest total. The easiest way to get the highest total is to hit the most lifts. Mm-hmm. So don't miss lifts. <laughs> right. So don't try to force lifts that aren't there. And that's, I think that mindset is really important. Absolutely. And you know, I know earlier you mentioned in passing that there were, I think you said 170 other competitors in your weight class. Yeah, something close to that. There was over 1,100 so, lifters total. Man, that's crazy. But so, you know, I know that there will be a lot of people who, when they find out how many people they're up against, they will either uh, get upset and um, throw a tantrum or they'll say, you know, this is no problem. I got this. And especially with, you know, for example, something like bodybuilding, let's say that, that there are only three other competitors in their class. Some people will be like, yes, I got this. Less competition for me. It's easier. And they want the other competitors to not be that good. Um, and I know I can't even imagine knowing that you're up against that many people. How did you feel finding out that there were so many other competitors? And, and how did you... Uh, because I know you you handle pressure very well, but what was your what was going on in your head? Did you did you were you concerned about them at all? <laughs> oh, I was excited. Oh. I thought it was awesome. So you got pumped uh, up. Oh yeah, yeah, I loved it. I was like, okay, like for me, um, my the worst meet I've had in the last two years was a local meet because interesting. I I knew there was going to be nobody there to really push me, you know. And so now I always I come to play, but it just gives me that extra little bit when when there's when I know there's gonna be people there that are gonna be pushing me. And so yeah, I, I got really excited like that that I was jacked up. And I think uh, you know for listeners, this is an important to, distinction to take note, and it may seem minor, but I think it really sets apart the people who do well over the long term with their endeavors versus the people who who eventually poop out. Is is how do you respond to these kinds of incidences you know you can see them as setbacks or you can see them as as challenges to make you better and to uh you know really force you to bring out the best in yourself and if you can beat all those people with that much more competition then you know doesn't that say that much more about yourself as a competitor and as an individual i think um man it'd be it'd be nice if if uh you know, everyone could have that mindset, but if, you know, obviously that's not the case. And that's one of the big reasons why you rise to the top. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, you have to, you have to kind of, I don't want to say mold yourself. That's the wrong word, but not everybody's going to feel that way about it. And so like, but you have to program yourself because uh, my, so when I first, when I played baseball in high school and, um, I, I would get up to bat and my mindset would always be, don't strike out, don't strike out, don't mm. strike out. I was always focused on the worst case scenario yeah. instead of saying, let's, let's drive these runs in, let's drive these runs in. And it kind of speaks to a larger mindset shift that I've had over the course of my life, which is I used to, I kind of have that Ayn Rand mindset now, which is, um, you know, the, instead of saying, you know, who's going to let me, I, you know, ask who is going to stop me. And, um, and, and so I always say, I don't ask why me. My question is why the hell not me? You know, why, why not you? But I've gotten to that point over years and years and years of small goal setting, hitting those goals, building my confidence from that. 
Because you can't take somebody who's unconfident, who hasn't hit a lot of goals, and just say, well, just be more confident. Well, confidence comes from results. You know, like confidence comes from your your experience. Like if you are used to bombing out of meets, what confidence did you have that you're going to go nine for nine? Because your experience, you may say, oh, I'm confident, but your experience tells you otherwise, you know? So I think setting short-term, realistic, attainable goals while also keeping your unrealistic long-term goals Mm -hmm. in mind is important. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's like that's like um, when you even for let's say like let's let's use contest prep as an example when you want to get to extremely low body fat levels. I think that you know if you are I think I think if you are more or less um, consistently moderate for long enough with a little bit of you know extreme storing here and there short term, then you can get to, you can ex- you can achieve some pretty high level um, uh, high level physique. All you have to do is just stick with it and stick with it and stick with it for long enough. Absolutely. And actually, uh, on that note, I think it's about time to start talking about uh, your stuff. So let's oh let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Sohi's mindset cool. heading into her show. <laughs> hey, guys. Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. Myoatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right, 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds, and you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend, and they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want. And the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made. Or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey guys, many of you out there know I spend a lot of time bagging on bad coaches. And certainly, there's more than enough of those to go around. But a lot of times people ask me who I do recommend. Well, one person we can recommend wholeheartedly is Paul Ravella of Pro Physique. Paul has received more referrals from me over the last two years than any other coach, and with good reason. Paul is competent, 
professional, caring, and carries himself with a lot of integrity. If you hire Paul, you're going to be getting the very best at a great value. Paul is also one of my closest personal friends, and I can say with absolute certainty I feel 100% comfortable with referring my closest friends and family to him, because I've done that. Paul Ravella of ProPhysique.com. Check him out, guys. Hey guys, you know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high-quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at questnutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram at questnutrition and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. Hey guys, one of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohee Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohee's website at sohifit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future. Welcome back to Physique Science Radio. Uh, we're talking about the champion's mindset, and uh, we've been talking about my powerlifting uh, experience over the past couple of years, and we're going to start talking with Sohi about uh, her experience with competing and her show she has coming up. But uh, she touched on something about uh, not quitting, which you know people say, oh, yeah, 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 don't quit, blah, 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 <laughs> cliche. Um, no, it's very true. It may be cliche, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Um, Eric Thomas has something um, – that he says, and I really like, he said, you know, maybe today is not your day, but if you quit, it will never be your day if you quit. Like, that's it. I mean, people, hmm. like, what what does quitting at something actually get you? Like, if I had injured my back and said, I, I'm done, the right. only thing it saves is my ego, from my ego being harmed. That's all it does. Because if you quit, it's, do you suddenly stop desiring that thing? Of course not, Right. Like it's not like you can just turn that off. The only thing you've done is spare your ego. And I would argue that you'd still feel better about yourself pushing through. Um, because people think that uh, – actually Ryan Doris, we were sitting down um, talking at the meet and he's like, yeah. He's like, 
people think like that you have this like this magic magic training program or this. He's like, dude, you just prepare better than anybody I know, and you just don't freaking quit. And he's like, that's it. That's the magic. I'm like, you know, that's that's pretty much true. And I think a, a lot of people miss that. I always tell people, uh, success is a battle of attrition. Uh, so you yeah, like you can't that. be successful if you if you don't stay in the fight, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, man, I feel like Ryan always has. He just comes out of nowhere with these words of wisdom. I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. How did you think of that? But he's he's uh, uh, definitely an outside the box thinker. Yeah. Every conversation I've had with him has always been always some kind of insightful remark that he makes that really hits a nail on the head. Um. But, you know, I like, really like the timing of, of this podcast because it's right after you or me and it's right before my show. Um, so yeah, so have, tell us about yeah. your show. What, what, first off, what show are you doing? This is the OCB Nationals that uh, is... Oh, in, the Yorton. Um, OCB, so at the amateur level. It's right, It's the yeah. first uh, national show, I believe, that they're uh, holding. This is the first year's and it's invite only. I qualified for it. Last November at uh, Paul Ravella's Tampa show, um, November eighth of last year, and that was the twenty week ghost prep that I did. And we have a, I know we recorded an episode uh, related to that as well. But I remember a, a few months after the show uh, last November, I received an email saying you're invited to nationals. I remember forwarding it to Paul, and I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, do you like? Is it worth? Do you think I should do this? And he's like, absolutely. You know, you have a, a ample time off to imp- make improvements. You know, take uh, incorporate the judges' feedback and really hammer those out in in the next following months. So I um, w- wasn't really decided on it, but I just kept in the back of my mind while I was training. And you know, back in uh, late May, I, I competed in my first powerlifting meet and. That was um, awesome, and it was really fun. It was really refreshing to have that change and focus from, uh, you know, obsessing over. Because, you know, when you're in contest prep, there is necessarily a degree of obsession to a degree with your body, right? With how you're looking and how lean you are. And you can't really avoid that. But with powerlifting, it was completely different. You know, instead of waking up thinking, how much do I weigh? What's my waist measurement? Do I look lean? It's, it's, what am I going to squat today? You know, and I'm sure Lane, you can relate because you do, you do both as well. You, it's a different mindset. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I spent the next, the, the summer of, of this year, just continuing to train. I said, you know, I think, I think I want to compete in this. Uh, I want to do this OC, OCB nationals. I think I'm ready for the next level. And, um, I know I have to come in a little bit leaner. I, I know I, um, you know, don't mess up your tan. I want to work on my posing a little bit. And there were a number of, uh, specific things that I wanted to improve for this year. So, uh, I decided, I think about three months ago that I, I was going to do it. I registered, I think I ended up being like maybe the second competitor, bikini competitor to register for OCB yeah. Nationals. And it's in D.C. And uh, I wasn't sure at the time where I was going to be living. Um, long story, living situation. I've been kind of bouncing around all over the place. But um, I'm in Phoenix now. So bought a flight out from Phoenix to, to, to D.C. And didn't know if um, Evan, my husband, I knew he probably w- wasn't going to be there because he's deployed again. And I said, I said, okay, there's a chance I may be doing this alone with no one there to support me, but this is something I want to do for myself. And, um, you know, I'm not 
this is only going to be my second show in the OCB. I'm mostly more familiar with the NPC division and the caliber of the of the competitors. But OCB is, you know, it's natural. It's drug tested. Everyone has to take a polygraph. And um, but even so, you know, obviously, I mean, Lane, you know, even with without drugs, you can achieve some pretty fantastic physiques that way. And um, with no, there was what are no you talking about. Nobody's <laughs> ever built. We're all mediocre. <laughs> yeah, nobody has ever built an impressive physique without drugs. Don't you know that? Don't you read uh, Instagram? Yeah, of course. Um, so uh, you know, I wanted to. Uh, I had no. It was. It was. It is kind of nerve wracking because I have no. There's no track record of OCB nationals. I can't say. Okay, well, what what was last? What were last year's nationals competitors like? Because this is the first show. So um, I legit have no idea what the other competitors are gonna look like and what package they're gonna bring. But for me, you know, I know that there are at least 15 competitors that I'm up against. Um, and last year there were only two other competitors I was up against. So the competition's a little bit different, you know, and obviously it's national, so it's a slightly higher level. And, um, I, I feel really good. I said, you know, I met yesterday with my posing coach for my last posing session and she was like, you're ready. You're going to do this. And I said, you know, I, there's nothing, um, I feel like I just want to be here now. I want to finally present everything that I've worked hard for and um you know this was kind of an unconventional prep and we can talk about the details of that in a bit as well and uh the obviously the mindset for me has been so important especially with someone you know I don't get to eat a lot of food because I'm pretty I'm like you know this year I'm 5'2 105 pounds when you're 105 pounds you don't get to eat very much food <laughs> uh, to, especially if you're you know trying to get even leaner um I don't get away with eating 2,000 calories a day at this point I'm way below that and knowing that you know my meals are they're they're pretty pathetic looking and especially with this um I've been eating a <laughs> And I don't know what, I can't believe I'm finishing that this out, but this is week 10 of my Snickers everyday experiment. I'm eating a full, <laughs> yeah, I'm eating a full Snickers bar. Um, this, you know, I've done nine full weeks of it and I'm just starting week 10 every single day. I've worked it into my macros and, uh, you know, uh, initially, let me stop you real quick. Yeah. What, what, what was the inception for this, this idea? Oh man. Um, I'm trying to Dr. remember, you know, Dr. Haub, maybe, <laughs> you know, I was just going to say, I think, I think Dr. Haub, he, uh, maybe, um, planted the idea in my head several months ago when we interviewed him on our podcast. And I was like, man, that's a cool idea. I think it's really helps to, uh, shed to light what flexible dieting is all about. And then, you know, over the summer I was thinking about different experiments I could do on myself, uh, training wise, nutrition wise, that wouldn't really mess with things too much for me. And one, the other thing I wanted to do was a sodium experiment was, you know, sodium manipulation, which obviously I am, I can't do that right now. Right. Too many moving variables. And so I said, okay, what about, uh, what's a junk food I could eat every day? And I was like, oh my God, Snickers. And initially, <laughs> initially I was just going to do it for four weeks and it was going to be isocaloric at maintenance calories more or less. Um, but the four weeks came to an end and I said, you know, I didn't really show anything cause nothing changed. There were no, like the variables were pretty much all constant four weeks. Measurements are the exact same. And I, I said, you know, I think it'd be, um, a lot more, uh, get a lot of eyeballs, and I think people would pay a lot more attention if I did this through my contest prep and showed that I could still drop body fat um, while doing this. So I decided that I'm just going to go for it. And to be honest, I'm ready for it to be done at this point. The, yeah. You know, the macros 
really eats up a lot of my macros. Um, I think in, in many ways, this made my prep probably more difficult than it need to be. Um, yeah, sure. you know, well, because and that's again, the, uh, people don't get this about flexible dieting, not to go on a side rant cause we're talking about mentality today, but absolutely relevant. You know, if you, if you say, Oh, well, all you, all you flexible dieters do is eat junk. It's like, well, no, if you just eat not junk at all contest prep macros, it's going to suck. Because you're not going to be full at all. Like you're 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 spending a lot of macros on something that's not very filling. You know, so it's it's self-regulating. If you are, I'm sure you would say you'd rather have like a big old salad compared to that Snickers bar. Oh yeah, so much I could fit in. That's way more. Uh, that provides a lot more satiety. And um, you know, this deep into my prep, I don't like. I normally don't like allotting that many calories to junk food. If it were up to me, I would rather have a small sprinkling of mini chocolate chips in my Greek yogurt, and I. You know, it takes up way fewer calories. I it make leaves room for other other things, but I also have to realize that going back to the mindset issue, one, this is my choice. Yes. <laughs> no one's forcing me to do this. So not only with the sneakers deal, but even with contest prep and with dieting, I have no right to be whining about how how hungry I am. And uh, you know, I, I yes, I have the potential to be like, oh my God, you guys have no idea how much I'm suffering. Woe is me. Um, But it's not like, you know, there are worse things in life than than being a little bit hungry. And I'm not starving. People like to say, I'm starving. You're not starving, actually. You're just in a mild caloric deficit for a few weeks. And um, this is a choice that I'm making for myself. And everything changes with my attitude um, when... I have to remind myself, you know, so he, no one's putting this, putting you in this position. This is something that you want to do for yourself. You want to step on stage. You want to achieve low body fat levels. You want to come in leaner than you were last year. If you want to do that, then there are going to have to be some sacrifices that need to be made. You can't expect everything to be easy. If it were easy, everyone would be contest lean year round. Um, That's correct. Yeah. And so even though I am a flexible dieter and I am counting macros, it has not been easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And but you know, the the I think one of the biggest things with flexible dieting is is minimizing suffering as much as possible, which isn't to say that we eliminate eliminate it completely, but we, you know, get rid of unnecessary suffering. That's that's correct. And you know, uh, I talked to this uh, actually our friend uh, uh, you know Jesse uh, John Cowan, right? Do I? Uh, blonde hair lives out in Colorado. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So, so uh, Jesse, uh, when I started working with her, and I, yeah, I went, you great. know, through a reverse dieting cycle with her and everything, and she's great. Um, but one thing she said to me when we were reverse dieting, she's like, "Okay, I want to do this prep healthy. I'm not going to drop my carbs below 150." And I'm like, "Jesse, you may not get lean enough. Like, if, right. if you're if you're not willing to drop them lower, I'm like, you have to understand, like, you know, just because flexible dieting." makes it less suffering it doesn't mean it's not hard you know because she had to get down to like 50 grams of carbs a I day remember that. Of i remember prep, that i remember that yeah know? probably hurt a so, lot <laughs> and that's that's hard you know regardless of how you're dieting that's hard the point is is at least within that 50 grams of carbs you have some choices you know so that's the point it's not the point of flexible dieting is not to eat snickers every day the point is that every once in a while if you felt like you wanted a snickers or whatever you could fit it in and it wouldn't be a complete, you know, blowout. That's the point, you know? So anyway, there's that, that side rant. Um, 
I know. But yeah, I so tell us. So this is going to be the biggest show you've ever done, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, right? right. First national show on the bikini stage. I remember when I competed at NPC um, four years ago, I had I, I, at the local level, I qualified for nationals, but I never got around to, to doing that. And then my national qualification eventually expired because I was just, you know, I re- rebounded about 20 pounds on my 5'2 frame and I was... <laughs> You know, it's pretty. It is pretty traumatizing when you put on that much weight in such a short period of time. And not only that, but you know, I always say that your physical self is, uh, in large part, a manifestation of what's going on in your mind. And I wasn't in Absolutely. a good. Yeah, I wasn't. It was not in a good place mentally to start dieting again. And I tried and I tried and I tried for about three and a half years to unsuccessfully diet. Um, knowing and then finally I realized that I just wasn't in a good place mentally and I you know I recorded a a YouTube video on that pretty recently about how you have to be in the right mindset to go into this and even with contest prep um, I think with competing especially um, if you're not mentally prepared yes you may still do well at the show but the aftermath that's I think that's more important than the show itself and a lot of people are not prepared for not, not only like you know what happens if I don't place but also um what am I going to do after, like, what, you know, sometimes it can, it's easy to feel aimless after the show is done. You open and close the fridge, you're like, okay, what am I supposed to be eating for? What are my goals now? And um, if you don't have a plan in place in place for that, that you can be, you can struggle for a really long time. Um, Absolutely. So, so what's your, what's, well, yeah, uh, that's actually, I want to, I don't want to just pass that up. So, yeah. um, I think a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think about afterwards, you know, and even with powerlifting, it's not the same thing as dieting because there's not as many psychological things going on, but like it would be easy just to, to like after worlds, I remember I, after uh, worlds was over and I got the silver, I was like, okay, now what? Right. Because I got to have something to, 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 to move on to now because I don't want to just be stuck in limbo. Sure, right. And I think that's really important for anybody with any goal you have because look at Olympic athletes. There's a well-documented um, – I think it's something like 80% of Olympic athletes suffer from post-Olympic depression because mm-hmm. there's this big buildup. They're the center of attention. Everything's about them. There's this thing they've been working for for four years and then all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, it's over. And it's like what do we do with our lives? You know, and so one, you have to be more than just a competitor. Um, I saw something the other day. Somebody was like, uh, somebody said, well, what's, you know, I wonder what Lane's going to do now that, that Jesse beat him. I'm like, okay, I love powerlifting, but I don't just lift weights. Like there's a right. bunch of other stuff that, is not that I like to you. do. It <laughs> has nothing with that, that. That doesn't like, this is not what I identify sure. my life with. Absolutely. You know, um, I am a, I, I lift, but I am not just a lifter, you know? So I think that's important is to be something like I always kind of cringe when I see somebody's Twitter and it's like NPC competitor and that's their, that's That's who I am. That's what I am. Right. Like really? That's if, so when you get to the pearly gates, that's what you're going to tell them that you did like, okay. I mean, I guess that's all right. But like, I, I think, is there anything else, you know? So, yeah. Um, I think, you know, one, having something else and two, also setting that next goal so that you've got, you're putting that next carrot on the end of the stick and not making that goal. You know, if you could, you know, if you did, you know, if you just did your first local show saying, I'm going to be a professional, uh, bodybuilder or figure or bikini, like make that the next incremental goal up. It's okay to have that big goal in the back of your mind, right? but just have that next incremental goal ready to go. 
Absolutely. And I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a goal at all times. You know, for me, it's if I do well, then uh, I want to go straight into my off season. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about wanting to toggle between powerlifting and bikini, um, you know, pretty much every year. And I want to go straight into my powerlifting prep. And, um, but if I don't do as well as I had hoped, I, I want to keep prepping for a November show. But right. regardless, I'm going to keep moving. I'm not going to come home and, and never leave the house for a week and, and, you know, feel sorry for myself. But, and here's my, here's my mindset. So you go to nationals, if you do well, you turn pro, right? So uh, obviously, I think for a lot of people, that is the ultimate goal. I want to turn pro. I want to be a pro bikini competitor. I want to be a pro bodybuilder, pro figure competitor. My thinking is, that's great. And if I just if I happen to turn pro this weekend, I will be ecstatic. I will be so happy. But at the same time, if I don't turn pro, if I don't win my class, then I will. I'm not going to say, oh my god, the judges are blind. What were they thinking? Obviously, yeah. that means that I'm not ready to turn pro. You know, and I don't want people to hand me a pro card because they feel sorry for me or because, exactly. you know, I, I force them into it or their politics involved. I want them to reward me with a pro card because they feel like I am ready for that next step and I am worthy of, in terms of physique, presentation, you know, everything, whole package. If they think I'm ready to be at the pro level, then I think I should, I want to win. But if I'm not ready, if they still, if they say, hey, I think you need another year to work on this, 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 I want to say, okay, great. I don't want to be a pro right now. I don't think I deserve it. I want to earn it. And uh, as, as great as it would be to fly all the way out to D.C. and come back with a pro card and be all happy, um, if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to be very, very proud because as it is, I'm already, the, this is the leniency I've ever been. You know, I think this is the best shape I've, I'm, I'm coming in. Um, my posing is much improved. I've, my presentation is better. I've got, I'm wearing hair extensions for the first time in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Which is, um, it's fun. And I, uh, you know, this is, I think my suit is better than last year's. You know, I'm excited already because I know for a fact that I have improved from my last year's package. And that's yeah. something I can be proud of no matter what. Absolutely. And I think that's, that, that's something you have to have. So that's, that's, so one, that next goal, right, that we, that we talked about. Or, or, and two, not only being one thing. Right. And then three, focus on what you can control. Right. Yes. What you so shooting your best round of golf and you've done that. Right. So you're no matter what happens, you're going to be at your best. If somebody beats you, then you, what, what are you going to do? You shake your hand and you, you say, hey, great job. You know, you, you beat me. That's it. Right. And um, when you have that kind of mindset, you know, it 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 changes things like, you know, what if I had said I am. No matter what, I'm winning. I'm winning raw nationals. I probably would have gotten like 18th or bombed out because I've been trying to hit lifts I couldn't possibly do. And then what? It'd be like I'd, I'd just be, you know, destroyed, right? Right. And it's like, what's for what? Like, why would I be destroyed? Like, I've got to, you know, yeah, I like to lift and I'm I'm good at it and um, you know, I want to win, but. I got a lot of other stuff going on too, you know. Like I, I'm more than just that, and so I, I think that's important. Absolutely, and I think it's important to recognize that a winner's mindset does not mean that you have to win all the time. It's, that, it's, yes. you know, it's not. It has nothing to do with placings. It's with a with your frame of mind. And uh, as you were saying, Lane, when it comes to uh, competition, where especially where you have to perform. 
there are only two things you can control. You can only control your actions and your attitude. You can't control what the judges want that day. Like you can't control. Maybe they just don't like your look, even though you think you look fantastic. They just don't like your look. Maybe you can't control what other competitors will show up. So you know, I remember uh, earlier this week, we all the competitors received an email with the here's your prep list oh and by the way here's the names of all the competitors in each category and i was like oh my god bikini competitors name 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 and i was so tempted to sit there for an hour and just be like let's google this person and see what she looks like (laughs) right i'm like am i gonna do i think i have a chance against this person and i think it's so easy to get sucked into that comparison trap but you know what even if i had done that it wouldn't have changed my current program it wouldn't have changed my prep yeah Yeah, it would have just spooked me out and um, so I, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I look forward to the competition and if I don't place, then I don't place, but I'm still going to be like, you know what? I know I brought my best package and I can be proud of that. And, you know, I'm not, this is not my identity. And I, you know, I, last week I wrote a post on body dysmorphia and I think the, the thinking is, is, uh, applies to many different concepts as well when it comes to, you know, your physique, for example, and you are working toward a fitness school, a fat loss school, a contest prep. When you, I think it's normal, especially with contest prep, when you're, where you ha- kind of have to go to extremes, it's normal to look in, your, look in the mirror and start nitpicking, right? Because oh, yeah. you have to get to extreme levels, elite levels of body fat. And it's, it's very easy to look in the mirror and think, I'm not lean enough, even though other people are looking at you and thinking, holy crap, you're ripped. This is the leanest I've ever seen you. I can't believe how lean you look. And you look in the mirror, you're like, eh, I don't see it. But I think, um, you know, does not mean that you have a problem. I think some Sounds of it- Sounds like you've been hanging around our friend Lauren Collin. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. She's great. And I know she's, you know, she's been through it as well, but it's important to recognize when it's happening, but also, um, you know, people with- with body dysmorphia, people get themselves into trouble when they internalize the thoughts that they have. But when you can remove, take the emotion out of it and say, yeah, I know for a fact that what I'm seeing in the mirror through my own eyes is not what is actually going on. I know that I'm not seeing myself objectively and I'm not, whatever thoughts I'm having, I'm not going to internalize them and I'm not going to let those thoughts define me. And I think that's a very, very important distinction. And so, you know, when you apply that to the contest prep, with a contest stage and, and competing and, 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 and uh, placing or not placing, it's, yes, I would love to win, but if I don't win, that's not going to define me. If I do win, again, that's not going to be my whole identity. So I think going into that, knowing that um, can, I think people will be a lot better off in the long run. They won't rebound. They won't sabotage themselves, which, you know, interestingly, um, really short tangent, Lane, I don't know if you've ever heard of this happening before, but, um, my, I remember my first three or four photo shoots that I ever did a few years back, every single time I would do amazing in my prep leading up to it. And then like the week of, or the night before I would complete, I would pick out, I would sabotage, I would eat, you know, stuff my face and I would come into the photo shoot looking way worse than before. Huh? You know, have you That's ever heard that happening? No, I, I, I'll, I'll Maybe I have, I think I have had it's, some clients it's like totally that. It's like mental. the emotional, yeah. you know, yeah. just the emotional come down of everything or almost like, well, I did such a good job. I should get a reward. That sort of thing. Right. Or no, I think it was more me a fear of, and I think, you know, it, it, with, you see it with entrepreneurship all the time. I would rather not try and say uh, I, I didn't do well than to try my best and like, you know, try to come in my top shape and still not have so good photos. So self-sabotage. Yeah. So, so like... 
okay, I didn't look good at this photo shoot, but I binged, as opposed right, to... Right, like, here's my excuse. Yeah, as opposed to, well, I, I, as opposed to, maybe I'll look really good, but maybe I won't look as good as I want to, and I don't want to be disappointed. Right, and that's yeah, the fixed totally. mindset is, you know, that's like me, let's say this week, all I have to do at this point is to coast in, you know, all the, most of the hard work is done, I just have to follow the program, don't get injured, don't do anything stupid, what if I go out and I decide to go on an eight hour hike tomorrow, what if I go um, Cheesecake Factory and, 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 and uh, pick out on, you know, five different cheesecakes, uh, then I can step on stage and not win and say, well, here's why, I know exactly what happened. Uh, versus I did my best and I still didn't win. I think for people, a lot of people, the latter is a lot harder to swallow. It's to, it's to think that you tried your best yeah. and you still didn't do as well as you'd hoped. Yeah, and I think there's definitely that that kind of self-sabotage element to certain people. Actually, I was watching <laughs> – there was uh, – do you watch The Big Bang Theory at all? No, but I know the characters. Yeah, so Leonard always – like self-sabotages the relationship with Penny because subconsciously he feels like he doesn't deserve her, you know? Uh, so, yeah. And that's one of the things Les Brown talks about is, is respecting yourself enough to allow yourself to succeed. He said, there's two kinds of fear with people who go for success. One, the fear of failure. You know, what if I, what if I can't do it? And the fear of success. What if I do it and I can't handle it? Mm. And you have to find a way to deal with both. You know, both are um, hard, right? Yeah, because people don't people don't think about that. Well, why would I ever be afraid of success? Well, there's certain things that come with success, you know. So some people are afraid of those things, and they would rather they rather float float through life and just not make any waves, you know, don't rock the boat. And so you have to decide, you know, what what you want and what's important to you, and also, you know, understand to ready yourself for the possibility of you being successful, you know, cause there are plenty of people who don't handle it well. Um, I mean, you see people who, so you see people who, uh, right. They, they don't get a goal and it puts them into a depression. You see people who do get a goal and that also puts them into a depression, right? right? Like you, we've seen both. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's something that's really important, uh, to, to, to understand. And, Respect yourself enough, value yourself enough um, to allow yourself to be successful. Don't take the easy way out of, okay, well, I'm, you know, I don't deserve this. I'm, I'm not going to go for it. Right. Absolutely. And I think that uh, um, there's a So what – let me ask you something yeah. real quick. Since, so since you used to do that, what, what changed? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it had a lot to do with – um, interestingly, not entirely related to fitness, more related to like my career in general. When I finally took that dive and said, I want a career in the fitness industry and I want to put myself out there and I'm not going to, I'm going to stop being afraid of being successful because, you know, like you said, if you are successful there, there's a lot of responsibility and you have a lot of eyeballs on you and it, people can cave under the pressure. And I said, you know what? I deserve I, it was, you know, I stopped thinking, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I'm a fraud. I'm going to get caught to, I deserve this. You know, I don't have to yes. apologize for the way that I look. I think even, I may not have the world's best physique, but that's not the point. You know, I'm not trying to be Miss Bikini Olympia. I'm not. Yeah. And um, that's so, that's so interesting yeah. because you even like, look at it. You even get that with like, um, like business success. 
Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, right? Like, I started making quite a bit of money, and I, I remember I was talking with Paul, and Paul was like, well, can I ask how much you made this past year? I'm like, and part of me was like, I feel really bad telling him. And then a, a part of me, I had to go, why do I feel bad? Like, why should I feel, like, I did a good job for people, and they're happy, they paid me, right? Like, I wouldn't make all this money if I wasn't doing a good job for people, so... I told him and he's like, oh, that's that's awesome, you know, but we have – it's almost like we should feel guilty for being successful for the people who weren't, right? Right, and it's crazy. And like we, we feel like we crazy. need to apologize for our success. Yes, exactly. And I think that – I think part of that comes from we want everybody to like us and uh, I, I struggled with this for a long time when I first got into the industry of, you know, I wanted everybody to like me and – you know, this is a, a Les Brown tape I've been listening to recently. And he says, you know, everybody's not going to like you, you know, <laughs> like it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, you know, he's like, but you know, there are people who, who don't stick up for themselves or who don't take uh, stands on positions uh, for things that they're, that they're passionate about because they don't want to make anybody mad. Uh, you know, you, everybody's not going to like you. <laughs> so, you know, you might as well just live your life the way you want to live it. Yeah, and you know, the, I think the more successful you are, the more people um, there there are going to be who who don't who don't like you. And I think it's important to that's I you know it's it's it can get dangerous when you get focused on your haters and you worry about yes. them versus think about all the people who do love you and who yes. whose lives you have changed. I think you have to change your focus to thinking, oh my god, he doesn't like me. These people don't like me. Versus yeah. look at all the people what? who do. They're- they're not going to like you whether you succeed or fail. Right. So maybe they'll like goals, you more if you fail. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no, they won't like you. They'll they'll then mock you for failing. So the best thing you can do is anger them as much as possible by succeeding as much as you can. Right. So, so um, yeah, it's it's uh, really comes down to believing that uh, you deserve success, knowing your worth. And not feeling like you have to apologize for being successful. It's not, well, I, I quit pre-med and I'm sorry that <laughs> I'm doing well in the fitness industry when everyone thought I would fail. You know, I'm, yeah. and, um, you know, the other thing that happened with the photo shoots that obviously I don't do that anymore. I've got a photo shoot coming up on Wednesday and I'm really excited for it. And I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have some pretty, pretty awesome photos from it, but was, um, was the thinking before was, oh my gosh, if these photos come out good, I'm going to have to do, I have a responsibility to do something with them. What am I going to yeah. do with them? Do I have to like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I, I have to show people. I don't want to show people, <laughs> like which is, it seems so backwards. You pay all this money and you go out of your way to travel and uh, buy your outfits and do all these things. And you're like, well, I don't want to, I just want to stuff them in the back of my closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's what I did. I had, I, I had, I remember I was in a picture with somebody one time and my arm looked like really big and I'm like, oh God, now I'm really going to get accused of steroids. And then, <laughs> then I had to like slap myself and be like, screw those people, Lane. They're going to accuse you no matter what, so screw them. But uh, yeah, I think That's if we funny. had to kind of summarize what what our feelings are on the, the issue, it would be, you know, one, allow yourself to, to desire for success. Like you deserve that, yes. right? And then uh, prepare yourself for what comes after success, right? Whether it be the next goal or just the mindset. And then when you're working on it, understand it's going to be hard. 
Um, you're going to have setbacks. It is going to happen. You, if you think that anybody who did anything great, if you think Michael Jordan, like his career was just smooth, Not you're, you're out of your mind. Like you are going to have setbacks, defeats, tragedy, like everything that can happen to you is going to happen to you. And just understanding that you've got to grind past that. And I think that those kind of three pillars, you know, one, I want to succeed. I deserve this. Two, preparing for afterwards. And then three, the grind of the actual pursuit of the goal. I think if you can master those three mindsets, you have a really, really good opportunity for success. Absolutely. And you just got to remember, always think growth mindset, growth mindset, growth mindset. Your failures or your setbacks do not define you uh, in the same way that your successes should not be your entire identity. Yep. Uh, Eric Thomas said, he said, just because you fail does not make you a failure. Yep. So I think that's really important to keep in mind with any, any endeavor. It doesn't have to be fitness related. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I, I really enjoyed this talk. I think it was kind of more just a long discussion, but uh, I think that's great because I think some people, you know, really need to hear this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, people like it. Maybe we can do a few more of them in the future. I think this, I, I like this change. Uh, not always super, you know, in-depth with um, science. I know this is physique science radio, but I think, you know, it's related to physique success and with just any, the success mindset is, is super important. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, what do you think it takes to become a great scientist? <laughs> that mindset. <laughs> Same like things. Anything. Right. So, all right, guys. Well, we enjoyed this, um, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And until the next time, this is Lane and Sohi on Physique Science Radio. Thanks, guys.